All right, how we doing, everybody? It is 524-19. I'm your host, Will Reddington, and welcome to another episode of Red Talk. The Golden State Warriors are back in the NBA Finals for the fifth straight year. The All-NBA teams are out, and the Raptors are just one game away from their first-ever Finals appearance. Dylan Bickle and Trey Hayden are here to help me break all of that down, but before we do... Our show is brought to you by O'Shea's Irish Pub. Come celebrate your memorial weekend at O'Shea's. Live music in the front, DJ in the back, open till 4 a.m., phenomenal food. If you're not at the lake, you better be at O'Shea's. Come visit the downtown or the Bardstown Road location today. All right, let's get it going. Dylan, Trey, it's great to have you all here. The Warriors have now reached their fifth straight NBA Finals. This is the first time this has happened since the Bill Russell Celtics days from 1960 to 66 around there. The first time since the merger. Dylan, does winning this year's Finals make this the greatest five-year run in NBA history? I can't say too much about the old Boston teams just because I wasn't around when those were going on. But, I mean, it's, it's almost impossible to argue that this is not the best run maybe of any major sports um, in my entire life. And people get upset, and rightfully so. You know, they've made the Western Conference very boring because you just know what's going to happen. People said the Rockets will push them, or, you know, whoever the hot team is in the West is going to push them, and it just never happens. So as far as this being the best run in my lifetime, I, th- I think it's a for sure thing. Yeah, I, I think the answer is yes in terms of looking at their run from a historical perspective. Uh, I don't think we've seen a better basketball team than this. It, it feels weird to say that Steph and Clay are better than some of these larger-than-life superstars that we've grown up with, uh, such as Kobe, Tim Duncan, D. Wade, KG. These guys have all been champions to some degree, but they've never been able to accomplish this or even the four-year thing, really anything close uh, the level of dominance it takes to get there is just crazy. I mean, two of 30 teams are making it to the finals every year. And since they acquired Durant, I mean, the league has felt unfair. And that's uh, the biggest thing that makes them different. It's, it never felt unfair when Kobe and Shaq were beating the Kings or when Kobe was going up against the Celtics or when LeBron was battling the Spurs. It never felt unfair. You always felt like you could watch a series that could go either way. And now it's just it's boring. Everybody just can't wait for KD to leave. Uh, Trey, what do you think about this? Yeah, I would definitely say that it's probably the greatest five-year run in NBA history. Um, just looking over that five-year span, they have a, almost an 80% winning percentage. In uh, over 400 games, and you win 80% of them, lose less than 90 games. That's pretty impressive. And then also looking at their playoff run, they went 59-19 and up until this point in the last five years. And uh, obviously they've won three of the last four NBA Finals. Uh, but one of the cool things that I looked at that I don't think a lot of people underestimate is how dominant they were the year after they lost to the Cavs. Um, that year after in the fi- or in the playoffs, they went 16-1, and one and they swept the entire Western Conference. It's absurd. That, that's, <laughs> it's absurd. Yeah, that, uh, it, it's just unheard of, that, the that kind of Western dominance. Conference. Swept the Trailblazers first round. Next round, they played the Jazz, sweep them. Sweep the Spurs in the Western Conference Finals. Then they happened up to give up one game to LeBron, but still beat them 4-1. It's remarkable. Oh, man. I mean, it feels like they're the best team in NBA history. And it, at, worthy challengers, I guess, are like the Bulls from the 90s, uh, the Celtics from the 60s. Big Sam Jones guy right here. Love Sam Jones. Uh, Lakers, Celtics in the 80s, uh, Kobe and Shaq's Lakers. The Spurs are a little weird to consider there because they were awesome when they had David Robinson, but that big three was very young. And then the big three is kind of super old and they had Kawhi Leonard and Exactly what you just said, Trey. I mean, the Warriors, when they're in their prime, they they just swept them, just knocked them out. I know they were getting older, but a sweep is a sweep. Uh, Do you all see this as truly, historically, the best team of all time? I mean, like you said, you can talk about, like, the Celtics back in the day. You can talk about the Showtime Lakers. You can talk about the 96 Bulls. But I think the way that the Warriors are doing these things is, like, not one NBA fan outside of, you know, California can even stand them. I mean, you can respect them, but nobody likes them just because they make, like I said, they make the league boring. You play all these games, you take all this time, and we watch it as fans, but in the back of our minds, we know what's going to happen every year. I think it's so lame that they lost 25 regular season games 
it they should be investigated for that yeah. i mean it's ridiculous I, th- that's what's always bothered me about them is that that effort isn't there that glow and shine isn't there night to night but when they've needed it to be it has and it seemed like the clippers kind of awoke a sleeping giant in kd and then kd's in possibly the best form he's ever been in in his career going into the biggest off season of his life and then KD goes out, and Steph Curry's sense of urgency just goes to a completely different level, and he just wants to show people, like, hey, guess who? I can still do this. It, it's truly remarkable, and I think that's what makes the Warriors different is their second-best player when they're all healthy is Steph Curry. And that's where it that's, the, that's where the comparisons kind of are thrown off because the, other than Kobe's early 2000s Lakers team where they had him and Shaq on the same team, you haven't seen anything like this. And they for sure did not have a third option like Clay Thompson. Their third option was like Rick Fox. You know, Rick or Fox. Robert Ory. Yeah, it, Only in the fourth quarter, Robert Ory. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that's, that's the craziest thing to me. I mean, Steph Curry, most points in a sweep in playoff history by one player. That is insane that he just did that to the Blazers. Because the Blazers guards, McCollum and Lillard, they're really tough offensively, but they're they're not the worst defensive players you've ever seen. They play really, really hard all the time. And it, you watch those clips of Steph just playing 100% all the time. It looks like the worst person to guard ever. And, I mean, he, he's just been dominating. What do you all think is different about Steph's game when KD is out? Because he's gone to another level. Obviously, They've had great success when Steph is playing and KD's out. They're actually 31-1 and in that situation, and then they're 6-0 and ever since KD's injury in the playoffs. I think the biggest part of it is KD being out really opens up the floor for the Warriors. Before KD got to Golden State, the Warriors were very dependent on a lot of open floor movement, a lot of people making cuts, quick passes, people coming off down screens. And they still do that to a degree, but I feel like when KD, he's such a ball-dominant player, that when he does go into the offense like that, he doesn't do it as well. And kind of back to what you were just talking about, Steph is a great off-the-ball player. He moves without the ball. He comes off down screens. And I think that's the way the Warriors like playing, which is why they've had so much success with KD being out in the playoffs. When they go to KD in the post over and over again, they score over and over again. But when they have that type of offense designed for Steph – it's the ball seems to flow more freely, and you just don't have those moments where they toss it in the post and they're standing around. There's constant motion. Even when Clay Thompson gets in the post, that shot is going up in an unorthodox fashion. Immediately, Draymond Green and Kevon Looney are killing it on the glass. Dylan, what's different to you about Steph when Katie's out? Sort of what Trey said. It's a lot more freedom of movement. Their possessions, and don't get me wrong, most of the time it ends up in two or three points. But there are possessions where Kevin Durant is the only person to touch the ball, and it's a 15-second possession. And like he said, Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, they're at their best off-ball, running off screens, tiring out their defender. And as soon as you take that little break, as soon as you give them that little bit of light, it's three points. And Draymond Green <laughs> At least, just, I mean, it's crazy. Draymond Green just finds him. It, he, he's been he really so does. impressive as a point-forward style player. He seems to be the one dominating the ball and watching them run through those down screens, uh, slip screens, uh, fades, everything. It, it, he has been phenomenal. That old-fashioned Warriors big three, it, it's odd how the narrative changed on them because Steph and Clay Thompson are likable guys. Draymond Green... I feel like it's safe to say that he's widely disliked around the league, the nation, the universe. But Stephen Clay, I mean, how, how could you not like the guys? And then they're just hated because they pick up the biggest threat to them and have them him join their team, which is really unheard of in the NBA, at least. And it, it's so wild how the narrative kind of changed on them because if it would have just stayed Steph, Clay, and Draymond, they could have had the exact opposite of what you said, Dylan. It could have been more of a Tiger Woods feel where the greatness is there and everybody just wants to see it over and over again. And it's the exact opposite. Every fan wants to see them go down, including myself. But what's really helped the Warriors this postseason is are those little guys, the guys doing the perfect thing at the perfect time all the time in this offense or on defensive possessions. Uh, Guys like Kevon Looney, Andre Iguodala, McKinney, uh, they've played so well. They seem to be the perfect guys for this Warriors roster, which I really questioned going into the postseason. Didn't think it was as strong as years past. What other Warrior has impressed you guys this postseason outside of that big four, Dylan? 
So you already mentioned him, but I'm going to go with Kevon Looney. We've talked about it before. We just said, you know, the Warriors were always missing that that five that just knows what his role is, perfects his role, you know, play defense, rebound, and just clean up those dump offs because you know that they're, the defense is going to key on those those guys. And I mean, it's it's a dream job for a guy that's seven foot tall. I mean, you just stand there, they dump it off, you get a wide open dunk. I mean, as long as you go out there, you give the energy. And really, that's something we're going to touch on a little bit later, is him going from a guy that's not playing a ton of minutes to really playing, what, almost 30 a game in this last series. It just shows kind of what Steve Kerr can do as well, which, like I said, we'll touch on it later. But he's just turned it up in that last series, and it's something that I don't think that they would really struggle in the finals anyways. But him taking it up to that next notch is really going to help him with, I guess, make it a little easier than what it originally would be. He's been so impressive. DeMarcus Cousins, there's no denying that if DeMarcus Cousins is on your basketball team, you're a better basketball team because you have DeMarcus Cousins. Right. That is a constant fact. But Kevon Looney has really embraced this opportunity to get his spot back. He was always the odd man out when you hear that starting five announced every night where you have four all-stars and Kevon Looney, who's that guy? And he's the one that just does the little things for this team. He doesn't care about shooting. He doesn't care about the stat sheet at all. He just wants to win. And I think that that's completely exemplified by that play he makes it in Game 6 at the end of the Rockets series where there's a loose ball. The Rockets are about to steal it. They're down three, and Kevon Looney comes up with it in the corner and finds Klay Thompson for the back cut to effectively end the Rockets' season. And Kevon Looney is a seven-foot center who probably weighed the most of anybody on the floor at the time, and he was across the floor, and he got to that ball and, in a way, won the Warriors that game. He's been so impressive. Trey, uh, who, who do you like on this Warriors team outside of that big four? I'd say I definitely like Kevon Looney, but I'm going to go a different route just because you all two chose him. I'm going to go with Iggy. You know, He's the veteran on the team, 35 years old. He's still giving them 30 minutes a game, still averaging double figures, energy guy off the bench. He can guard your best player. He's losing a step here and there as he's getting older, but he still sticks with them, still brings that intensity. Yeah, he does not look 35, he man. He does not. Yeah, he does not. not it's at crazy. All. It's crazy how long he's been in the league. And he's still shooting over 50% from the field. So if he's giving you double figures, shooting a good field goal percentage, and he can guard one of your best players, I think he's that guy that is the X factor for them. I don't think they're the same team if he's not on the team. He was fantastic defensively in the Western Conference Finals. They're going to need him to be healthy to win this next round. I really believe that. If they don't get KD back, DeMarcus back, or Iguodala back, they could be in trouble. But they also could not be because these guys are They're really good, man. They're really good. Real good team. Yeah, but Iguodala, man, that's a guy that's been doing it. I think 08, 2010, that was when somewhere around that uh, time is when his eight-seed 76ers with with, uh, Holiday and all those guys knocked off uh, Derrick Rose and his MVP year right after he went down yep and he just so many different teams the nuggets in between there and then he becomes so pivotal on the Warriors that's a guy that's just an intricate piece to being in championships and to winning playoff rounds and he's proven that and another great example of that is is Steve Kerr I mean this guy's number of final appearances as a player slash coach is it's getting to be a little crazy. He was on Jordan's teams with the Bulls. He's coached this Warriors team ever since he showed up. I mean, what are they, in the finals every single freaking year? It's crazy. They didn't always have Kevin Durant, but they went out and got Kevin Durant. One of the reasons is they have a coach that is never going to apply any extra drama to their team. Draymond Green might, Kevin Durant might, but Steve Kerr will not. He's going to weather it. He always, every time they flash to him in the huddle, he's saying something so smart and calm and smooth and just constantly reminding his team that they're better than who they're playing. And and I think that's a great way to coach. Um, do you all think that he's a key part of being there, or do you think that you could coach Warriors? I I mean, I'm not going to say that I think I could coach the Warriors and do what he's doing. Um Obviously, he has a ton of talent, maybe the most talent in the entire league. But something that he did recently that really stood out to me was is actually in the playoffs this year. So when you look at the switch that they had to make when Kevin Durant went down, at first, you know, they're relying on that big four in Iguodala to kind of just play 40 plus minutes a game um, and just kind of weather any storm that the other team gives them and just pull it out. So he goes down and... They have people on their bench like Kevon Looney. 
that's just ready to step right in. And, you know, they haven't been playing big minutes. They've, you know, maybe played 10-ish a game, if that. And he comes out and we he gets a mention on this podcast about how great he's playing. And yeah, I it's think like that, he didn't miss a beat. Yeah, and I mean, I think that starts with the coach just keeping his players ready, making sure that they know that at any time it could be their moment. And I think really, and this may sound corny, is I think that that may have came from when he was playing on those Bulls teams. You know, he was not a, a star player. He'd come off the bench, play maybe 10 to 15 minutes, and expect him to go out there and, you know, ice cold, you got to go out there and hit a big three for us. So it's going from a player to a coach is definitely a hard thing, but, I mean, he's mastered it, and he's used what he had as a player to help his team a lot. So Man, he, he used to hit the three. Uh, he, yeah. he's ha- he has his three now. Uh, he rides the hot hand. This old Warriors team, they've been fun to watch, but – Steve Kerr is going to play the guys that are playing well, but always have faith in the guys that are not. And I think that obviously goes a long way. And uh, the the no drama thing, I think, just cannot be talked about enough. The, with all the stuff this team has had go on, with every time he's been in a situation where he could say the wrong thing to the media, he doesn't. And he acts like it's just a joke to him. And Yeah, the, I mean, he's made, he's made so many jokes at the media, and you know that they are probably so pissed yeah. that he's not giving them a straight answer. They just answer, want him to give him something wrong. And they, he just won't do it. Uh, he that, will not do it. Uh, that guy just acts like he has the best job in the world, and I think that's a very respectable trait because he does. Yeah, yeah for sure. Uh, <laughs> Trey, what do you think about Steve Kerr? Yeah, definitely. Like, I definitely think he's a huge factor in the success for the Warriors. Um, obviously, he's been around some great players and great coaches. Uh, played with Jordan. You know, had Phil Jackson. But the thing I didn't realize is even in his later years of playing, he actually played for the Spurs with Coach Popovich. So he was a player with two of the best coaches in NBA history. So just being around those winning cultures of the Spurs and the Bulls, I feel like that's a huge factor in how he coaches his team and how he leads his organization. As we've already talked about, definitely on the drama-free part of it, which I love. These days, the media tries so hard to get a story from a coach, from a player, whatever it is. He doesn't let that affect him, and he tries to make sure it doesn't affect his team, which is awesome. And I just think him being around the winning culture as a player, he's implemented those things that he's learned as a player and brought them to a co- as a coach. Um, which I think has just been great for him, and obviously it's proven to have some success for the Warriors. Man, I couldn't agree more. I think any other coach thrown in that situation earlier this year where Draymond is clearly on camera calling Kevin Durant expletives and everything uh, isn't going to handle that well, and it could result in their team probably not making the finals, but not with Steve Kerr. It's so impressive. But the big story with the Warriors, guys, is Kevin Durant. I want to talk about his immediate future because we're going to need some stuff to make podcasts about over the summer, and I can't wait to make 10 of them about Kevin Durant and where he's going. So let's talk about his immediate future because the NBA Finals, I don't know what's going to happen with the Bucks or the Raptors, but it's going to start on June 1st with or without Kevin Durant. It doesn't sound like he's going to play. What do you all think? Do you all think he's going to come back? Dylan? I think he'll come back. It's, it's a huge summer for him. Obviously, he's going to get paid regardless, but – the narrative of the Warriors are better without Kevin Durant is something that you know, I mean, mentally, when it comes to that stuff, he's weak. You know that's digging at him, and you know he wants to come out, and whether it's Giannis or whether it's Kawhi, it's one of the best defenders in the entire league that he's going to be going up against, and to go out there and show them up and outplay them, you know that's on his mind. So he might not play game one, but... You know, I, I think he'll be back. Yeah, if well, all it takes is just opening up his Twitter account to see if he cares about it or not. I don't think there's a person out there who doesn't want the Warriors to win this title without KD as much as KD. I, I think it would be the worst thing ever for him, and I think that he'll go back there on one leg before he lets that be the narrative. 100%. Yeah, and I, I don't think he's the only one. Uh, I don't think Kyrie wanted the Celtics to beat LeBron in Game Seven or uh, Game Seven last year that bad. I, I really don't. Uh, so, man, I, he must be really hurt though if he hasn't come back yet and he's been dealing with all this talk. And the Warriors are just the kings of telling you their player has one injury and them having a different one, a calf strain. I, was, I definitely <laughs> think it's more than a calf strain. Yeah. So, Trey, what do you think? You think he's coming back? I think he is. You know, like kind of what he's touched on or Dylan's touched on. Uh, he does not take criticism well at all. Um, so if he gets online and he's already seeing the stuff about how the Warriors are better without him, this is Steph's team, what they bring him here for, he's leaving anyways. 
Um, I think he has – one, he's going to have a chip on his shoulder to prove that he should be here. Obviously, he's one of the best players in the world. Um, but I think he wants to leave the Warriors if he does leave. I think he wants to leave them on a good note. He wants to leave as a champion, and he wants probably wants another finals MVP. Um, so I don't know if he's going to come back game one or two, but I definitely think that he's going to come back and he's going to do his best to have a really big impact on the finals. You could also look at it and say – Maybe he's just saying, you know, I don't care what they're saying right now. I'm out of here anyways. They're going to win. Give me my ring. I'm gone. I don't know if that's kind of his way of thinking, but it's another angle for sure. If he does that, he's going to have a rough 12 months until he can redeem himself again. Oh, yeah. Because the only way for him to ditch that narrative is to join a new team and to beat them in the conference finals, the second round, Man, the finals. The media, if that if it comes down to Kevin Durant and whichever new team it is, whether it's the Nets, Knicks, Clippers, whatever – the media is going to eat that alive, yeah, I, man, and I'm right there with them. You know, I don't think it's uh, I don't think it makes him a bad guy. I think it's human nature, but I think it is worthy of mentioning that if Steph Curry was hurt right now, that he would totally be cheering for the Warriors, that he would want the Warriors to win the title, and I, I don't think that's arguable at all. And I think that KD is hurt right now, and there's no chance he's cheering for the Warriors, and he doesn't want the Warriors to win the title unless he's on the floor. And I don't think you can argue that either. And it, it's very, it's very odd. It's sad. It's come to that point for him. Yeah, it's it, it's very odd. Uh, do you guys think that they're actually better without Kevin Durant? I'll, I'll let you take this one first, Stray. Go ahead. And you know, uh, touching on a few things we talked about earlier, I think that they're by far better without him um, the offense flows much better I think KD is really an underrated defender people don't talk about that enough but with that being said I really don't think that the Golden State Warriors defense gets worse if he's not on the floor uh, so in theory if you know if your offense is getting better shots and better movement without him on the floor and then also your defense doesn't get worse it kind of makes me feel like you know they've shown that they can do well without him and they have success without him um, but uh, I think they are better than without him in all honesty Oh, man, I got to go the other way. I got to go the other way, strictly because I don't think that you can say that any team will be worse or better without Kevin Durant. He he slows the offense down. Believe me, I think think the Warriors are 100 times more fun to watch without Kevin Durant on the floor. But he's averaging like 34 in the playoffs right now. And I understand that he takes up a majority of the shots. He has the ball in his hands for them, you know, more than anybody else, but if he really wants to, if he really, really wants to, there's maybe two guys in the NBA that can hold him under 50 if he really, really goes at him like that. That's a fair point. Yeah, and now that the Rockets are out, it's like they can't lose if KD comes back. It's it's like these two teams they're, over on the They're not the going to lose if he comes back. But they, they, <laughs> they can't, happening. you know, and that's, I think, what makes them a little bit better, I guess. But, you know, guys, this, this kind of thing, it really reminds me of, of going to O'Shea's Irish Pub. So let's say you had an unlimited budget at O'Shea's Irish Pub, right? You can get whatever you wanted. So you went and you got the cheese balls, the truffle fries, a Patrick's some smoked wings, and the fish and chips. You just don't need all that to create a good meal. You really don't. You might be able to take some of it home, but you can't eat it all at once. And I think that's a little bit what you're looking like, looking at with the Warriors. Steph looks way better with those 20 shots opened up, and so does Clay. And those two guys are just proving that they're enough, even in today's NBA. And I, I doubted them really hardcore before the playoffs. I was really kind of sold on that James Harden was going to be able to beat them by himself, and I was wrong. And, uh, you know, that, that sucks for me. But I really don't think now from checking these other teams out that anybody's going to take them down they're minus 220 to win the title right now so i mean i think that's really good odds i think it is too i was about to say i thought it would be like minus like 400 easily in that blazers series it opened up at minus 600 and that's a lot i don't agree with that and i I know they got swept but I, i still don't agree with that line and uh, I'm, I'm going to give a quick Blazers tribute real quick. The Portland Trailblazers were swept in the Western Conference Finals by the Warriors. Everybody knows that. And last season they were swept in the first round by the Pelicans, a team that Anthony Davis stopped going to their practices. Um, <laughs> but between that, they were unreal. They, they knocked off the Thunder and the Nuggets. Underdogs in both series. And they might have lost 
all four games against the Warriors, but they were leading for like 101 minutes of the series, and the Warriors were only leading for 83, and they lost every game, and they were up by 17 in three of the four games. That is so brutal. I, That's tough. It, see, I'm going to go the other way on that. I, I think it's really impressive what they did, and I think you should feel really, really good if you like the Blazers because there's not a lot of teams in the NBA that could have done that. And I think that just because Steph Curry's on this super Saiyan run right now, and, and I mean, they beat him by two last game. And I know that maybe you might look at me and say, Will, you don't think the bigger fluke about that game was Myers Leonard having 30 and 12? <laughs> um, yeah, it probably was. But shout out to the Blazers. Very impressive run. For them, I'm 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 proud of those guys. Guys, before we get into the East, I want to touch on these NBA award teams that they've named recently. So we have the All Defensive Team, the All Rookie Team, and the First, Second, and Third All NBA Teams. They're all out. A lot to talk about. Let's start with the defense. Defense wins championships. First team All Defense in the NBA. We got Rudy Gobert, Giannis, Paul George, Marcus Smart, and Eric Bledsoe. Guys, do y'all see anything wrong there? Any comments, Dylan? I think the only one that you could really argue is maybe putting Kawhi Leonard in over one of those two guards. They're both great. You know, I probably would lean more towards Kawhi in over Marcus Smart. Um, but I mean, outside of that, I think they, I think they nailed it pretty, pretty close. I, um, I like it. I, I could definitely see Kawhi being in there. Kawhi and Marcus Smart, two guys that missed a lot of time. Marcus Smart seems to be a guy when you hear his name, you just think defense steals. Loose balls immediately. And Kawhi, you think, so much more. I'm kind of glad to see them reward guys like him and Eric Bledsoe, who I think stand out when you're an average basketball fan watching a game. And you can just see that those guys can really play some defense. Eric Bledsoe really, really took Kyrie out of his game in that Celtics series. So I definitely think he should be on there. And then Gobert, Atenacumpo, and Paul George, all finalists for the Defensive Player of the Year award. No complaints there. Trey, what are you thinking about the all-defensive team? I definitely would have to agree with that. Uh, first team looks pretty solid. Um, also kind of agreeing with Dylan there. The only thing that I really change is just with what you said, with Marcus Smart missing a lot of the season or a lot of games this year, um, I didn't think that he deserved to be on the first team. Obviously, we know he's a great defensive presence. He's a pest. He's always in your face, diving for loose balls, going for 50-50 balls. Um, but other than that, I think the first team looks great. You know, um, Pretty happy with the picks and selections and – other than that, uh, the only person I think that really got snubbed from the all-defensive first or second team is Patrick Beverly. But other than that, not much. Yeah, I, I think that they must have just forgot about him because in, they try not to take the playoffs into account for these awards. And I, I think it's safe to say that Patrick Beverly doesn't really make a major impact on the league night to night when it comes to there being 10 or 12 games on. But he definitely makes an impact on the floor defensively, which you saw. He got under KD's skin, but... You kind of look at that, and KD ended up just scoring on him almost every time. So that's the only thing I was thinking about. That little is. size difference. Yeah, but <laughs> we, they're, they're shining the light on him. He's definitely a phenomenal defensive player, don't get me wrong. But a lot of that series, I was watching him do all those you know, jabs and poke KD in the ribs, and then KD would just shoot a jumper over him and then run back down the court. But shout-out to the Clippers. I mean, they beat yeah. him twice. So shout-out to the Clippers. Shout-out to them. Uh, the only person I would say has a real, real, real case to be on here is – Clay Thompson, I especially playoff bias there. I don't know how hard you can consider his defense in the regular season, but the way he defended Lillard and McCollum in that Blazer series was unreal. That guy has an energy bar that never goes below 90, it seems like, and I definitely think I could I could see him moving up. The second team is Draymond Green, Clay Thompson, Kawhi Leonard, uh, Joel Embiid, and uh, New Orleans Pelicans guard Drew Holiday. And uh, Holiday... Interesting. Holiday, $100,000 bonus for making that all-defensive team. So, Drew Holiday, congrats, man. Anthony Davis stopped going to all your team stuff, but you got $100,000. How about how about that? I mean, not only did Drew Holiday keep going to his team stuff, he made the all-defensive second team. Solid. It's pretty impressive. Show up for work, and that's what yeah. can happen. I, uh, I'm, I'm proud of that guy. Let's move on to the all-rookie team. The first five picks in the draft – Occupy this all-rookie team. That is pretty cool. That's the first time since 1985 that that's happened. Uh, so we obviously have Luka Doncic, rookie sensation on that team, who's the favorite for rookie of the year. But I, th I think it's really cool that none of these teams in the top five found a way to mess it up. Uh, Bagley is the only one I think we could argue about. So Bagley's on there, and Trey Young, and Jaron Jackson, and DeAndre Ayton, who I really like watching play basketball. Do you guys have any honorable mentions or complaints there? The only one for me 
Colin Sexton. He went to a horrible, horrible situation in Cleveland, and he made the most of it. Um, I'm not going to say that he deserves to be in over one of those two guards because, I mean, how could you even think about that? But I think he deserves a little bit of credit, and you know, I wanted to make sure I threw his name out there. Um, you know, he played in every single game this year, which is tough. You don't see that often. Average seventeen three and three, um, but I mean you can't you can't put him in over Trey Young or Luka Doncic. You just can't do it. And he to me is definitely a good stats bad team guy. Uh, he's out there taking twenty shots a yeah. game, and and I get it. But it's it, one of those things where you almost you almost have to. There's no him. other shots out there. They were starting Ding Adele for a few games this year. <laughs> it's nuts. That's a real that insane. That's a real stat. But uh, yeah, Colin Sexton. Uh, Definitely potential there, but it'd be tough to crack this five. Bagley missed a lot of time. Kevin Huerter from the Hawks really liked that guy. I thought he should have gotten some consideration. Trey, what would you think about the all-rookie teams? I think the all-rookie teams were solid. The only person that I really think got snubbed uh, was Jalen Brunson from the Mavs. He had a great year. Um, I saw Landry Shamet in there. You know, He played with L.A., the Clippers, and Philly this year. Um, he, Jalen Brunson actually had – Better stats than him the entire year. The only stat that Landry Schmidt had better than him, he shot 42% from three. Jalen Brunson shot 35. But other than that, Jalen Brunson, nine points a game, 2.4 rebounds a game, three assists a game. A very solid backup player to Luka, who obviously has all of the, you know, the, the, the spotlight on him there. But I think Jalen Brunson was a steal for the Mavericks, and I definitely think that he should have had more consideration, at least for the rookie second team, in yeah, my the, opinion. Uh, the second team here, we have Shea Gilgis-Alexander from the Clippers. Good player, good good draft pick for the Clippers. Clippers got a lot of good stuff going on. Out there. Oh yeah, maybe, maybe a lot of young talent. Maybe KD will join them. Uh, your guy Colin Six, Sexton Dylan right here, uh, Landry Schmidt. Man, I mean, I don't think they thought they were getting a lot back for Tobias Harris, but that guy's got some game. He does. Uh, Mitchell Robinson from the Knicks. Is that correct? That I am reading that right. Correct. correct. Okay, cool. WKU. That's that's on there. Almost WKU. Okay. Um. Sure. Uh, and then my guy Kevin Huerter, baller. He's a, he's a red-headed good. fireballer. Guy was, pulls up from nice. downtown. Yeah, Hawks, they're fun. A lot of young talent. Yeah, they really wish they would have done better in the lottery. <laughs> but they uh, they sure didn't. But, hey, fingers crossed. And for the finale, guys, the all-NBA teams First team, we have Giannis, Steph Curry, Paul George, James Harden, and Jokic. Second team's going to be KD, Joel Embiid, Kyrie Irving, Kawhi Leonard, and Damian Lillard. And the third team, Rudy Gobert, Blake Griffin, LeBron James, Kimba Walker, and Russell Westbrook. Guys, what stands out to you about these? Dylan? I don't like I don't like Russell Westbrook. I don't like him, but... I mean, it's it's so disrespectful, so disrespectful. I mean, the guy averaged 23, 11, and 11, pretty much rounding up. And Damian Lillard, 25.8, four and a half, seven assists. And then you have Kyrie Irving, 23.8, five rebounds, seven assists. The guy is averaging a triple-double on the season. Like, is that not... Is that not good anymore? Because he did it last year too. Like it just and the year before that, both teams very similar records. You know, the Celtics may have made it around farther, but let's not forget that the Celtics were a four seed. So and they played the Pacers, who may have been the worst team in the playoffs. In my, well, I mean, they mm, they had the worst besides odds the Pistons. To, yeah, you don't have to mention the Pistons. Yeah. They were barely in the playoffs, yeah. but the Pacers did. After the Pistons have the worst odds, I believe, to win the entire championship. So very, very fair. Statement. In in Westbrook's doing that with with Paul George on his team as well, who is a MVP a candidate this year, tier player. Yeah, I mean, what he does. People say, you know, he reaches for stats and he, you know, is selfish and doesn't really care about winning. But, I mean, the guy is an absolute dog. I mean, he does everything that you want your guy to do. He might not be the best shooter, but, I mean, he's going to give 120% every single game and in the stats show it. Yeah, these these teams are supposed to only reflect the regular season and not the postseason. And I think in ways they do reflect the postseason. I am happy to see Paul George get the respect that he deserves in the MVP race and on this first team. I think Jokic and Embiid are interchangeable with the first and second team. 
I honestly would have taken Embiid if he would have played more games and not had the injury trouble that he unfortunately has. But both those guys are unbelievable. Great seasons, absolutely first and second team. Donovan Mitchell maybe deserves some mentioning for what he just did with that Utah team again where he is the only true offensive threat on that ball club. Still gets him to the playoffs. Very impressive. Trey, what are your thoughts on all this? Um, I think it's a pretty uh – Pretty solid, the selections that they had. The only thing that I thought about that really sucks, uh, one, obviously it sucks for Clay Thompson that he didn't make it. I think he could definitely be – I think he's one of the top three shooting guards in the league, so I definitely think he should be in one of these teams. And then another thing that I thought was pretty crazy was that uh, Bradley Bill got snubbed. Yeah, he plays for the Wizards. Yeah, they're not great. Um, but I saw a stat that was pretty remarkable. Um, he's one of 11 players in NBA history to average at least 25, 5, and 5 with a true shooting percentage of 58% or higher. Hmm. So he is one of the only 11 players in the history to do that this season. Uh, yeah, he played a lot of the season without John Wall, which gave him time to shine. And yeah, they didn't win a lot of games, but I definitely think that he is worthy of being on one of these three teams. Trey, that's an incredible stat, man, and you sold me there. I mean, I think Bradley Beal should be on one of these three teams now after hearing that. I, I think it's just a loaded season. Uh uh, Harden and Giannis were the only two unanimous selections on this first team. And I think after that, you just got a bunch of awesome guys. I mean, LeBron James is on the third team, and I don't even know if he should be there because of all the time he missed. Obviously, the guy plays a full season. He's probably going to be on the first team. But these days, in today's NBA, he could be on the second team if he plays a full season. That's just – I mean, Kevin Durant looked like the best player in the world for sure two weeks ago before he got hurt, and he's on the second team. That's it's one thing I, I do think that you could have maybe I don't know the rules on this but could have maybe had Harden at the one on that first team and then George at the two and Durant as the three and maybe Steph on the second team not sure how true they stay to those positions but Harden did spend more than half this season playing point guard for the Rockets so definitely worth mentioning uh, Dylan do you have anybody that you think got snubbed? Um, as far as just not making the team, like Trey said, I mean, Bradley Beal obviously is one. I don't, I mean, everybody that knows me and knows about how I cheer for sports, I do not like LeBron at all. He, he missed so many games. I just think they put, they put him on there because of who he is. Um, Carl Anthony Towns had a great year. He was left off. Like he said, Donovan Mitchell's another one. I mean, it might be a reach, but you could even look at putting Luca on there, maybe. I thought about that as well. I mean, it, it might be a reach, but what he did, I mean, he revitalized the Mavs. He put up stats, um, and he was great. That first half of the year, he was on fire. He slowed down a bit in the second half, but I think you could make an argument at least. Oh, no, Luca got votes. Uh, not many, but he, he did get some votes, mm -hmm. four total to appear on any yeah. of the teams. Uh, the, the major snubs that you're going to see in terms of vote-getters that are not appearing on this And Clay Thompson, of course, but you already said that. Clay Thompson, Bradley Beal. Bradley Beal is the biggest snug, according to media votes, that Rightfully isn't so. on one of these teams. LaMarcus Aldridge has a ton of votes as well. Very impressive year. That Spurs-Nuggets series might not have been the most fun thing in the world to watch, but LaMarcus Aldridge is. He's back to being Blazers. LaMarcus Aldridge, big things coming from him next year. Carl Anthony Towns, also a ton of second and third team votes. Just missed getting that third team All-NBA spot. And I think Gobert's defense is a little hyped in that way. There's no way that for this season, next season, or the season before that I would rather have Rudy Gobert than Carl Anthony Towns. It's not even close. So I, I know that he should be on the all-defensive first team. I'm not arguing that. But this is all-NBA. This is stat sheet filling. There's no way His Gobert should be on that team over Towns. His so, so, so limited. So limited. I mean, Gobert. pretty much, yeah, I mean, drop step, hook shot, or catch a pass and that's it and there were times where the rockets completely exposed his lateral ability on defense where he is mm -hmm. making his money on defense and that to me it just you want to take the playoffs into account making these lists cool put carl anthony towns on this list over gobert that that's my biggest issue for sure um at pretty accurate though I, I feel like it's uh it's cool to look at and reflect on after the nba season this is where all these guys ranked you kind of get a reset on where these guys fall i mean it's it's pretty obvious that kd and lebron and steph and all the Giannis, harden are at this top tier of the league but just to see where they ranked in terms of the season they had very very accurate list i feel like and also very cool to do 
before you all get out of here, let's touch on the East. The Raptors just knocked off the Bucks to go up 3-2 in the Eastern Conference Finals. They are now one win away from their first Finals trip in franchise history. Pretty crazy series. It really flipped. Uh, the Bucks looked like they could possibly sweep them. They were a three-point favorite in Game 4. They were a seven-and-a-half-point favorite tonight. The Raptors won both those bad boys. Kawhi Leonard is kind of asserting himself as the best player in this series. His stats have been nuts. What are your all's thoughts on the game? So, I mean, like you said, Kawhi Leonard, I mean, wow. <laughs> I mean, he completely took this game over. 35 points, 9 assists, 7 rebounds. Very efficient as well. Um, I thought in Game 4, you know, I thought Kyle Lowry really played well. Kind of carried over uh, tonight, 17, 7, and 6. Danny Green, man. I, I mean, what, what in the world happened with him? I mean, thank goodness for Fred Van Fleet stepping up. Danny Green, zero points, 0 for 3. I mean, if he's not hitting threes, what, what is he doing? Yeah, that's what I like about this Raptors roster, though, is is they can afford to have guys go out there and lay eggs, and they have a lot of guys that are just known for doing that. Siakam looked like an infinitely better player in the regular season than he has in this postseason. It looked relatively comfortable tonight. You take 14 and 13 from him anytime you can get it. Mm-hmm. But Kawhi Leonard with 35, 7, and 9 tonight is just nuts, especially knowing who the Bucks are guarding him with. They have Giannis on him, Brogdon. One of the best defensive guards in the game. Bledsoe, all defensive first team. They're throwing all these different guys at Kawhi Leonard and nothing's working. Trey, what are your thoughts on this series? Yeah, I think this is definitely uh, the game that – I think actually game four is probably the game that switched it. But, you know, it's still in one in Milwaukee against Giannis and the Bucks. Obviously, everybody thought they were the best team in the East all year. And they're, they're still – obviously, they're arguably the best team. Um, but – uh, Kawhi obviously has been insane over this series and over the playoffs. He's been killing it. Like I said, 35-9-7. and seven. Uh, The one thing I took away from this is Giannis has to be better at free throws. Um, when I was watching the first quarter, they were talking about a stat that he's missed 12 of his last 20. Ended up being 4-9 for nine for the game, shooting 50% from the field. Um, he, he had a, a decent game, but a decent game is not going to cut it in the Eastern Conference Finals. So. No, he has to match Kawhi in this series. And, and tonight he had, I mean, 24, 6, and 6, 9 of 18 from the field. That's a damn good game. Yeah. But he's got to match Kawhi. These other guys in this Buck squad played pretty well tonight. Middleton didn't shoot well, but he adds 10 rebounds, 10 assists. Eric Bledsoe pours in 20. Brogdon gets 18. George Hill gets 12. And you don't win at home. That's a recipe for the series to be over. For and sure. I still think the Bucks could win game six in Toronto. I think the Bucks are probably going to be favored by two or three points again in this game. And, and Vegas has, has valued the Bucks as a better team than Toronto this entire series. And for the bulk of the playoffs when it comes to odds on who's going to win the East, who's going to win it all. It surprises me to see the Raptors doing this, but Kawhi Leonard's game has just evolved into a point where he's ready for this moment. And I think Giannis, what you're seeing is a year away. He's over-penetrating. He's throwing the ball away at times. And the Bucks have to be smarter with the ball. And they're only playing six guys. That's what surprised me. The Bucks are a team this season that's ran nine or ten deep. And they had six guys tonight play 29 minutes or more, and nobody else get over 12 minutes. And Pat Connaughton, Ilyasova, and Miritich being non-factors in this series is not what the Bucks need, and they especially not what they need at home. When you look at a game like this where they just needed five or six more points, uh, Dylan, what are your thoughts on this Kawhi-Giannis matchup? I mean, it's been it's been fun to watch, that's for sure. Um, I mean, Kawhi, I think, is getting the upper hand. Um, he's just kind of built for these moments. He always has been, and it started with the Spurs, and it's carried over. Um like you said, Giannis, I think he's a year away. This is this is a big moment. Um, and it's not like he's been playing bad basketball. I mean, he's playing good. He's not playing to the level that he can. Um, through the first four games, you know, he was averaging 16 rebounds, six assists. He was scoring the ball at a decent clip. But when you're matched up against somebody like Kawhi Leonard, you have to score more. You have to have 30 a game or he's going to outscore you. Yeah, definitely. And with the Raptors, as you said, getting what they got from Fred Van Vliet and Kyle Lowry and Siakam showing up, I mean, they're, they're going to – Marcus All does just enough 
for to, to do his job. Marcus All, it, it's crazy at this point in his career. He reminds me of a poor man's Kevon Looney. Very odd thing for him to be. I don't think that's what they acquired in the trade, but it's been decent. It's been good enough to almost get them to their first finals. So I, I think this Raptors team is perfectly constructed to get there. But I think the real question everybody wants to know is, do either of these teams actually have a chance against Golden State? Watching this series unfold, watching the Raptors be the best versions of themselves, which they clearly are right now, when you get 14, 15 from Lowry and Siakam each, and when you get 35 from Leonard. I mean, that's as good as the Raptors are going to get. Trey, do you think this team has any shot against Golden State? It's weird. Before uh, watching this game tonight, uh, my opinion on it really was, I want the Raptors to win the series, but I really think the Bucks have the best opportunity to beat the Warriors with the best chance um, as, as far as their defensive goes or defensive team, um, you know, very defense-oriented, have Giannis, have a lot of good players around them. So as far as who has the better chance, I think the Bucks match up better against them. Um, but after seeing the way the Raptors are playing, I don't think if they do get to the finals, if they beat Milwaukee in the next game and get to the finals, I don't think they're going to have much of a shot against the Warriors. Um, so I would actually kind of like to see – I want the Raptors to win, but I would like to see the Bucks get there. That way we can actually be a competition – and it can actually be some excitement in the finals. I'm not sure who has a better chance. I've been going back and forth on this series forever, but I did like the Raptors going into the game tonight just because three and four, they just seem like the better team, and those are the games you watched. And game two was a week ago now, and it, it feels like forever since we watched the Bucks play that dominant style of basketball, which they did play against the Raptors games one and two, and which they totally played the final four games of the Celtics series, which they dismantled them and looked like they could definitely compete with the Warriors. Dylan, what are your thoughts there? I kind of mentioned it earlier. I'm just I'm so tired of thinking that somebody has a chance cuz I start thinking that and then it starts and then it's immediately over. You know, I just both of these teams are great, you know. Kawhi is great. They have some decent pieces around them. The Bucks obviously with Giannis will give them fits. If KD doesn't play, I think it'll be a, an okay series. When I say okay, I mean probably 5 and they have a couple of close games. If, if the Warriors are at full strength, and I'm not even saying like with DeMarcus Cousins, I'm just saying with Kevin Durant and Andre Iguodala healthy, I mean, there you could you can literally make an argument that they'll sweep either of these teams, which yeah. is crazy to think of. I uh, I agree with you. Um, it's it's tough to say. I hate that that's a thing, but it is. From watching this series and from watching these two teams throughout the playoffs, it's very impressive that they're here. They totally deserve to be in the finals when you look at these teams in the East. But it's just the eye test of watching the Golden State Warriors, watching them play and seeing them down 15 and just being like, well, they'll come back any minute. So it, it, is it even worth watching? Should I flip the channel and everything? And they legitimately do. They really do come back and win that said game that they're down 15 to 17 in the third. And you look at the rosters. So Kawhi Leonard, obviously fantastic, you know, elite talent. Second best player on that team who you go Siakam or Kyle Lowry, one of those two. And you mentioned it earlier, the second best player on the Warriors is Steph Curry. Yep. <laughs> and then or, you go down next. Yeah, or if KD's out, it's Clay Thompson, and which is Clay still Thompson. so much more dominant. And then than under the that, it's Draymond Green. And, like, it just keeps going and going. And, you know, the DeMarcus Cousins was like, hey, maybe maybe I'll play in the finals. And then you throw that out there, he's five all-stars <laughs> on the court. What? What? I mean, come on. That's just not even right. Yeah. So when you just look at these rosters and you line them up with, with the Warriors – I mean, it's just, it's so, I'm just so ready for next year. Yeah. <laughs> for uh, everything to just break up and just let's have fun, you know? Yeah, I definitely don't think either of them really have a great chance against the Warriors, but like I said, kind of just touching back to those matchups. I do think the Bucks have a better one when you look at them on the matchups. You'd have probably Bledsoe, who just got all defensive first team on Steph. Uh, you'd have Chris Middleton, who's a pretty good defender. He gets underrated on that against Clay. And then obviously, if KD does play, uh, you'd have Giannis on him. So I like the way the Bucks match up against the Warriors. Not that it's going to be a huge factor either way, but um, I think the Bucks would have the best chance for sure. So do you think with with that with saying that? So you're saying you know probably Bledsoe on Curry, you have Middleton on Clay Thompson. So obviously Brook Lopez will probably guard Looney or whoever. So you you leave Brogdon to guard Draymond Green. I mean it's it, it's 
the way that the Warriors play and their style is so tough to like line up and say, you guard him, you guard him, you guard him. That's fair. Because it's so versatile. I, like, think, I think both the Bucks and the Raptors have the luxury of being able to switch everything outside of their yeah. center. They both play very versatile four men, uh, as versatile as you see in the league with Siakam and uh, Giannis. So I, I do think that they can give the Warriors trouble and they can guard the Warriors. It's just that I don't think they can score enough points to score more points in a game than the Warriors, yeah. and, and that's the biggest issue. I've been very impressed with the way Bucks, the Bucks have guarded Kawhi Leonard. I know he's scoring 35 points, and that's weird to say, but this guy, they're making him work. They're making him back cut constantly. They're making him hit, turn around, fade away, jump shots, and he's just doing it. So I, I don't I don't know how that translates into the next series when you feel that pressure of, oh, God, I have to beat all these guys now when you look across at the Golden State Warriors. But I – I don't know who poses a better threat to them, honestly, but I do think that you're going to see the Raptors. I think the Bucks have, have lost their chance, and I think that they'll be better next year for this experience. But it's such an odd narrative when you think, okay, KD jumps back into this series, let's say he plays, that the two best players in this series are going to be on different teams next year with Kawhi Leonard and Kevin Durant. I mean, maybe yeah. Steph Curry's better than Kawhi Leonard. That's an argument for another time, but it's definitely a possibility that Kawhi Leonard is a top two player in this series. For sure. And both of them are going to be gone. It's just very, very interesting in today's NBA that you're seeing something like that. Usually winning means more winning and more buying houses and real estate in that area. So do you all think that the Raptors close it out next game? I think that... If they don't close it out next game, it's a wrap. So I feel like it's a do or die for them. This is their game seven. It's all out or get out. Because if they go back to Milwaukee, they're not going to steal another one. I definitely do. I thought the Bucks played pretty well tonight. They they got 30 from Middleton in game four and lost. And they, they obviously got six from them tonight. But those points kind of evened out. Bledsoe had 20 tonight. Does nothing in games three or four, I believe. I mean... The Bucks are not playing that bad right now, and they just can't do enough to beat the Raptors. I, I think that the Raptors have not been viewed as a championship-caliber team because of the past narrative on the Raptors, and this is a totally different team. They traded in one of the statistically the worst five playoff players in terms of star players in the playoffs for one of the top three when you talk about the swap of DeRozan and Leonard. and That was a huge move, and the Raptors' GM and front office should be commended for building this team and for coming this far regardless of what happens in the warrior series like i said with the blazers losing to the this warriors team is not anything to be ashamed about this is one of the best basketball teams of all time but man Kawhi leonard welcome back we missed he played nine games last year don't even know if he was really hurt and now he's got he's got drake behind him too yeah, Drake. So, huge factor. On you that, think that Drake curse is going to come into effect for the Raptors? No, nah, they're breaking it. Well, I guess you could say like they're going to lose to the Warriors, but is that a Drake curse? No, I, I guess that's, I that's also a fair point. Better, so. Yeah, I think two teams go to the finals and the Raptors are one. And, you know, before we get into the Drake stuff, this was Red Talk. Thanks for listening. Uh, <laughs> please rate, subscribe, and share. TTYL.